This is unstructured. Hey everybody, today I have Kara Mayer Robinson. I hope I got her name right. She has a podcast with a really cool name. It's really famous. And I heard somebody describe it in one of her interviews very well, how brilliant the name was because she's almost calling out the guests to be on the show because either they are really famous or they're striving to be really famous. So they kind of have to appear on really famous. So it's a, a wonderful, wonderful plot to get them in there. Now, how are you doing today, Kara? I'm great, Eric. Thank you so much for having me on. And I appreciate that intro. That was fun. Thanks for uh, coming on. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'll tell you what, the name really famous. Good take on that. Don't think I didn't think about the fact that like I need to make sure the name doesn't turn off the potential guests, right? Or their publicists. So I did, as I was thinking of a name for the show, it took me forever. Like I'm talking months and months. One of the requirements was like, will publicists and or guests say, oh yeah, sure. That's a great idea. This sounds good. I didn't think it would actually attract people who are maybe hoping to be more famous because my plan was really just to have people who are legitimately famous celebrities on the show. Sure. Um, but yeah, that was, that's, that's probably true. It probably doesn't hurt. Right. But uh, there's also different degrees of famous. Um, a good example, you've had Joe Metagnon, big time. Mm -hmm. Big time guy. Um, you've had others who are TV stars, famous in their own right, but they're not Joe Mantegna. He's a, a, he's a legend. Um, Ed Asner stands at a higher level than some of the other actors. So there's automatically going to be a striving in there. And I imagine because I have to seek guests out too. That's part of why I wanted to talk to you. I love talking shop. But some of what you do is to circle people. You may not get the uh, star on the show, but if you get a co-star and you get a second co-star and a third co-star, then the rest of the show might come along. Or is sure. there any other yeah. strategy in that? Yeah. I mean, that's, I, that's not exactly my strategy because I don't want to overdo it with any one show. Although I think now I'm sort of uh, a little heavily weighted on the show younger. That was totally, <laughs> totally by accident. I promise you. Specifically one actor. <laughs> Alone. That's, that's right. Peter Herman. I have so much content from Peter Herman who plays Charles on the show Younger. But I wasn't even thinking about that, Dave, but you are absolutely right. Even before the excess content on Peter Herman, which for anybody listening, I have not only one interview, a long one, but we ran out of time. So he had to go. He had an appointment and he came back another day to record a few extra minutes or whatever, because I didn't get a chance to ask him certain questions. And we ended up talking for hours again in the second time. So there's even like a third that's eventually going to come out, but not just yet. I don't want to overwhelm everybody. But even before you talked about Peter Herman, there were two other other stars from that show, Debbie Mazar mm -hmm. and uh, Miriam Shore. But uh, yeah, I wasn't trying to get stalk anybody on the show. It just happened to be that way, except this, I guess the first interview was Debbie Mazar. She was like a year and a half ago and I already interviewed her and knew her before. So she was like okay. an obvious choice. She was one of my initial interviews mm -hmm. before the show was even uh, released or even set up on, mm -hmm. on Apple Podcasts or every podcast app. I reached out to a few people who I had already interviewed for, because I'm a journalist, for articles that I wrote. So Debbie was one okay. of them. I had met her a few times before. And uh, so she was an obvious choice. And then months- Tim Gunn. 
Yeah, Tim Gunn was another one like that, exactly. And Damon John was my third. So okay. I think that I interviewed all three of them, maybe plus a few more before I released the episodes. So, wow. uh, sorry, that was a little beep. On. Okay, so you followed the podcasting rule of make sure you have four episodes yes. ready to go on day one and a fifth one to go on the second week to make sure you get on a new and noteworthy. And did Dave, you get a new and yes, noteworthy? Yes, you, you know, you do your research and so do I. So exactly right, I did my research. And of course I did not get in new and noteworthy. Of course not. Because, and then of course, before I heard that it was a ridiculous <laughs> uh, ideal to try to reach, I started looking in new and noteworthy after I had released the, the first few episodes. And I'm like, what are these app What are these podcasts? They've been around for years. They're like the top podcasts. They're not Or new. worse, there hasn't been an episode in two right, years. Right, right, exactly. I didn't realize that then, but yes. So I tried. I wanted to hit new and noteworthy. Of course, now that doesn't even, those words don't mean anything to me. I don't even think about them. It, uh, it's frustrating and, and sad to chase that, but everyone will. Told. That that'll, oh, sure. make, that'll make or break the show, but I don't think so. Uh, no, <laughs> no, not really. And actually, I think Rob Walsh was helpful on that one. Rob Walsh is um, the vice president in charge of community relations at Libsyn. I guess they had a show that wasn't only new and noteworthy. It was actually on the front of iTunes with one of those banners. And they got maybe 100 extra downloads. Right. So it right, was not right. not a big deal. Then you have other ones that go crazy. So it is a very capricious market. And I think that's where you're being able to get to celebrities is pretty amazing. How do you go about that? Okay. So that's one of the top questions. I hear that all the time. I get a lot of uh, people reaching out to me saying like, what's your secret? How can I get these people on my show? So it's not a secret, but the fact of the matter is that I was a journalist for years. So I have mm -hmm. been interviewing celebrities for years. Um, I've been published in a lot of high level places, I guess you'd say the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, the Hollywood Reporter, Travel and Leisure, you know, all of those kind of, I guess you would say respectable, depends on your opinion or your, uh, your well, well-known, well-known, well established known. publications. Right. And so I have been interviewing them for a long time. So I have relationships that I formed with celebrities, with their publicists, just people, all, you know, in the industry. So I've been doing this and they know the kind of interviews that I do. So my podcast is not very different from the interviews I would do for print media, um, and so they knew, they already knew what I was all about. They could see my articles. They worked with me before some people. Um, and they knew I wasn't like a gotcha journalist. I'm not looking for like a little nugget or to, to kind of screw anybody or whatever. I just wanted to get to the essence of who this person is. That was always my goal. So I've been doing mm -hmm. that for so long. That's the secret. It has taken years and years and lots of relationship building. And so also- you're the average Average overnight sensation of 10 years or so? Yeah, well, yes. When I get to be an overnight sensation, then I will be the <laughs> overnight sensation of 10 years or so. Exactly right. <laughs> Let's hope that's I'm on track for that. But yeah, and also the other thing is I field a lot of no's for every yes that I get. There okay. are so many no's. So I just, you know, I just let the, I just, 
ask people if I'm reaching out to the guests, because it's both. Some people come to me and I go to some people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes, you know, I get plenty of no's and I just have to keep on chugging and uh, not get too upset. And I've also learned over time, which I sort of didn't feel in the beginning, but now I do, that really famous does not hinge on any one guest. So if anyone mm-hmm. guessed that I've been dying to get eventually says no or whatever, it's not the, you know, the death of the show. It's just one episode. So sure. I've learned that. So. I think that's like, like a recent lesson because I used to be like, oh, I want this person so bad to come on the show. And then you realize the episodes come and go. Do you have a scheduling nightmares though? Um, no, I really don't. I'm pretty flexible <laughs> and I don't do that. I don't put out three episodes a week like some other people I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really, I'm a lot less frequent. So uh, I, I am not weekly. I'm not, I'm not really uh, every other week. However, I kind of mix it up a little. I know this is like a no-no in podcasting, but um, I don't put them out on a set schedule. So I tend to have an okay. average of maybe like three or four a month. But mm-hmm. if if I don't, you know, feel like putting something out one week or whatever, I don't. So it kind of depends on on what's what. And I. I'm not like planned out months in advance. Nothing like that. You can't be with celebrities. Sometimes they come, right. you know, sometimes you hear a publicist says, oh, guess what? I have so-and-so in town on these two days next week. Can you do it? And I try to do it if I'm interested in the person. Are you doing them all in person? Or yes. Do- every single one is in person. No phoners okay. at all. So sometimes people ask for that. But for me personally, it's all about connecting with the guest. And for me... I do it best in person. So it's a mm-hmm. matter of like kind of knowing yourself. Um, also, the fact that I'm not very technically uh, <laughs> savvy, it's easier for me to sit in a room with somebody, look at them, read them. It's what I did when I was a therapist. It's what I do as an interviewer. Whenever I'm interviewing somebody on the phone for a print article, I really feel like I didn't get to know that person fully. But when I'm in a room with them, mm-hmm. I feel like, oh, yeah, I really had an experience with this person. So each and every episode for me is in person. You are based in New York though. So the locality helps a little bit, right? Oh yeah, totally. I could not (laughs) do it if I wasn't. Absolutely. And then I also go to LA a few times a year and just do a batch of them. So I'm actually right now getting, I'm in the planning phases of going there. I'll be going in a few weeks probably. And I'll just do a bunch in a row and uh, I'll be in my element and I'll love it. And I will uh, have a great time and then I'll be exhausted by the time it's over. Okay. Now when you're doing that, um, I imagine you're still writing for all the different publications. So you're on assignment for whatever magazine, et cetera, you're doing. And while you're at it, you pick up the interviews. Yeah. I am on assignment here and there. I'm taking less and less. I'm almost all podcast at this point. So Hmm. I am still writing, but I'm so busy with the show um, that I just feel like it's too time consuming and meaning the writing is and it's just mm-hmm. not it's you know just i just don't have time for it okay so the show is your love though absolutely no question love the show Lo- i love doing it love it it's kind of funny i feel like your um history and i'd love to have you go through it but everything aligned to do this show yes yeah, so i never thought you know, when I would look at my history at each phase, I didn't think there was any kind of alignment at all. But now that I look back, it makes perfect sense. So the the quick and dirty uh, version is 
and I'm going to skip a lot that really doesn't even matter, but I was, I was an accounting major undergrad. I then got a job at Comedy Central, but in the sales and business department. Nice. I was terribly bored. So if you're terribly bored at Comedy Central, you know this isn't for you. So I went to grad school, got a master's in psychology, developmental psychology, mm -hmm. and then I opened up a private practice. So I was a therapist for years. In the middle of that, I started writing articles. I wanted to write a self-help book, and I started writing articles to help me get published, get to that next phase of writing a book. Right. Um, and when I, when I started writing these articles for magazines and newspapers, I really liked it. So I kept going. And then I guess what happened after that was print media started struggling and suffering big time and started, you know, dying a slow death, I guess you could say it's not dead yet, but it's dying. I've said this a lot in different interviews. Have you heard the, um, Ernest Hemingway quote? Which? Um, how did you go bankrupt? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. That's everything. Slowly though, right? at first and then suddenly. Right. But that's and so many things. That's print. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was slow at first. I, I was hearing about it, but it didn't, I, I, it, I was still doing okay. But then after a while, I could see that it really was happening, that the jobs were uh, fewer and I, I wasn't making the same amount of money. I was making a fraction of what I made before for the same exact thing. And so I was like, right. something needs to change. And at the same time, I had done this interview with Tim Gunn for the New York Times. So this mm -hmm. was for Sunday Routine, which is a feature every Sunday, and it taps into a New Yorker, somebody living in one of the five boroughs of New York City, and what they do on a typical Sunday. So I interviewed Tim for this, and I sat in his apartment for three hours, and it was the mm. greatest conversation, like so amazing. He and I were like best buddies, and he told me all this great stuff, and there was just so much good stuff in there. I left, and preparing for the New York Times piece. I mean, it's a small piece in like a, the corner of a section of the mm. newspaper. So very uh, small member, um, amount of words. And I was like, this is like a shame. There's so much good material here. And my husband said to me, you should really do a podcast. You mm. could, you know, you could take the whole interview and just put it in a podcast. And I said, a podcast, how can I, who am I to do a podcast? Like, what do you even, I write for other people. I interview celebrities for other organ, for other publications. I don't just do it for myself. Anyway, that was the, uh, the seed. And I thought about it for a long time. And then when the journalism was really looking like, oh, this is going downhill fast. It was time. It was now or never. And I started the show. Well, you're perfectly aligned to do it. You really are. And that, that's what's so funny about it is I listen to it, it's like, okay, you are a practicing therapist. You are asking probing questions of people. You understand CBT. And I, I've never studied any of it. I just kind of intuit what you are saying or doing. And I can hear how you have a trained ear, you listen really well, you were able to get really good information out. And that's what attracted me to you to begin with. Is I saw the name of the show, I looked it up, and then I listened to the Tim Gunn interview and it knocked my socks off. It was like, wow, this is, you know, I, I've got to follow her because I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I need to play catch up. 
and I obsessively study different interviewers. Um, there's a whole interview series um, by Jesse Thorne that I've watched uh, all about Ira Glass, e everything. So I do, I enjoy interviewers. I will interview interviewers like Jordan Harbinger. So um, he's pretty much a level top, top of the game. Totally. And, it, and you're there. Oh, you, oh. you are there. Well, I and then, say, but thank you. And then you're a newspaper writer. Okay. You're, you write articles and you just said, oh, I have to knock down the whole three hour interview into small words. Well, now that's show notes. Right. Oh, it's funny you say that because that's the worst part. I don't like doing the show notes at all. It's the writing it. I can't stand. I was going to try to dump that on you. No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, can I recruit you? No, but you do know how to do copy. Yes, so boom, I do. Here's another one. Oh, and then you worked in an accounting office. So you understand the um, financials of how to get a show around. So it's very interesting to me that every single part, you kind of have refined it. And another part, I imagine being a therapist would be fulfilling half the time and maddening the other half. You imagine right. That's exactly right. Um, you know, it depends on what what phase you're you're in and who you're working with, also. So, sure. you know, sometimes you're you're working with very motivated people and it is so invigorating and thrilling and satisfying to see somebody really putting to use um, or, or really doing the work and improving their lives, improving their relationships their self-esteem starts building up. Like it is so incredible to see that happen in front of your two eyes that like, sure. yeah, that's amazing. But at the same time, the flip side of course is that when somebody wants to help themselves and then just doesn't quite do it, it's frustrating. And, and you, you can't know. pick your clients. No, you can't. I mean, you can, I guess in some ways you sort can. Sort of, but sort not really. Of. You still yeah. have to get paid. You kind of have to hang in there. You get to filter your guests, though. You do get to pick them. Right. That, oh, absolutely. That is so true. And I, it is, that is one of the things I love about the podcast is that I am totally interviewing people who I'm intrigued by. And if somebody sure. doesn't interest me, it's like, eh, I really just don't. I just, not that I, not that I can't get excited about a person who doesn't interest me to begin with. I can, but I tend mm -hmm. to, I like to pursue people who seem interesting to me. It's fun. Now what's, um, what's really cool about what you're doing too, is that, um, I, I wasn't trying to denigrate by saying you have a levels and you have B levels or whatever, but I think that one of your um, better guests or more interesting guests was Curtis Armstrong. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yes, you said you're getting wait, are you getting him on your show too? Didn't you say that? Did I hear you say that the other day on one of your shows? I I, I reached out to him and he said reach back in the middle of the month and I got bogged down and I haven't gotten back again. So I, I, I will try reaching out again. Um I really enjoyed his book so much. Another guy you should get on if you're interested, he's not a big name, but he's got a wonderful book, is Fred Stoller. Fred Stoller. S-T-O-L-L-E-R. He, um, he's famous for guest starring everywhere. Um, like everyone loves Raymond. He wrote on Seinfeld for a year. He, uh, guest starred on Seinfeld. Uh, just, he's one of those actors when you see him, you know, him. Like, oh yeah. Gotcha. And he wrote this great book and it's essentially about always being the guest star That's and interesting. never going to the table. And I find that to be 
fascinating. It, it, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're the star, but sometimes the stories of the people who are really in the trenches, the ones who have to have the ability or attitude to show up every day and get work because they're not quite as pretty or they don't have quite the power. So they have to get there by essentially relationships, hard work, and just plugging at it, you know, normal yeah. people. Well, like Curtis Armstrong definitely fits that, fits into that description as well. And you're right. I think he's such an interesting guy. He was an interesting guest to have. I enjoyed his interview thoroughly. Um, I'll write his name down, Fred Stoller. Yeah, I've definitely, definitely checked that out. I, I think especially if you're going out to LA, he's probably gettable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, right. It's a fine line for me with who, you know, again, like you're saying the A list, B list, C list, like you're ranking everybody, but there is, you know, I do, it's called really famous for a reason. And part sure. of what I think is so interesting is when you see somebody who is super famous, you have this like image of them, like, oh, who is this person? I kind of think this or so, whatever you see, uh, see the person in one thing, two, three, a dozen, whatever. And you make this like, you form this opinion, but usually it's, it's not who they really are. So to me, it's like, and that's what it was about that column that I would write Sunday routine for the New York times was I only that, that, that column was different. New Yorkers would be the subject of it, but I personally only would write, write the column when it was about a famous person, because I thought that's the mm -hmm. only, like, who cares what the guy next door does on a typical Sunday. But what Damon John does on a typical Sunday, I want to know. Like, what? That's so interesting to me. So it just it it just shows you a different side of that person that you think you already know, but you really don't. Um, no. Yeah. So it is a fine line too that I do. You know, it is called really famous. So they have to oh. be somewhat famous. Of <laughs> but, course. Yeah. 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 Uh, he's kind of famous for being the guest star right and i've had a few people who said okay i don't know why i'm on the show because i'm definitely not famous there are a few of my guests who have said that um right from the beginning actually that that brings me to a another question um how do you deal with um somebody old school like joe metagna because i actually could hear in that i was like oh yeah that's that's rough and and when i say it it's because there's a certain humility there but you would ask a question and he would start to drop into um, yes or no or monosyllabic almost to where he's like, yeah, you know, it is what it is. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's good. You're like, so how was your 30 years career doing that? <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. Yes, totally. Eric, so as an interviewer, you hit it on that. You can tell you're listening to this interview. You're like, oh, it's painful. This is a painful interview. This poor Kara. So what yeah. do you do? I won't lie. It was tough. That was a tough one for me. And there have been others. But you know, I didn't know I didn't know what to expect with Joe Montana. But I'll tell you what, there's a little inside information that I can add to it that will explain also a little bit of what the whole tone in the room was that day. Not ideal. And I learned from this. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you what happened. So uh I do them all live, as we said before. So uh there were actually I was getting ready to interview him, but one of his co-stars was also interview doing interviews the same day, and they were doing it as a pair mostly all day that day. And the publicist asked me if I would interview both of them, and I had told her, um, well, this co-star seems amazing as well and very interesting. 
this is a one to one interview show like that that is the the heart of really famous is two people talking intimately deeply laughing as if no the, uh, the rest of the world is not even there um so then i then i decided though that it, it could be fun to do like a little video interview with his co-star and i just started a youtube channel at that point um and so i thought you know i should put do more videos whatever and she's a pretty dynamic person i think it could be fun so i said to the publicist I'll do the regular interview with Joe, and then I will do a video with Kirsten. Her name is Kirsten Banksness. And so we we're all set to go. And then just before they arrived, I don't want to give away all my secrets, but one thing is I found out that there was about, there were about 10 handlers, so to speak, who would be coming oh, with them that day. Right. And I told them, I said, there's not enough room in the room because it is a small recording space that I have. Um, so 10 handlers is not going to fly. Um, but then I also had the two of them together in the room because like one was waiting for the other kind of thing. So there were too many people in the room. And also, I think that they had already said ahead of time, we're just going to split this in half. And so Joe's portion of the time is going to be half of the whatever we had allotted. Kirsten's would be the other half. And so by the time I got to Joe, I had almost no time with him. So oh. they were like, oh, we have to go. We have to go. And so I don't know what went on ahead of time, who told who what. But in a way, I felt like already like the mood was not right when they came in. Sure. So I don't even know if it was the fact that Joe is just so old school. I think that probably impacted some of it. But there is probably that part of it, which is, yeah, he's been through this a million times. He had just done so much press that day and the day before. I saw him on Megyn Kelly the day before. And, you know, they're on. They're on when they're doing these interviews on these press sure. days. And that's the opposite also of what I do on the show. Like, I don't want anybody to be on. If you're on, I want you to turn off and just be you. So, right. uh, but they were used to being on and it's exhausting for them, I think. And I was the last interview of the entire press trip that they had. Uh, so there was all that too. Do you, do you record and release everything? Because like you said, you want them to be off. I imagine a methodology could be, okay, I'm going to just talk to them for three hours and then take the second half. You know, like, um, do you watch Joe Rogan at all? I don't, of course, he's like the biggest guy. Um, my husband listens to the show, or at least I think he used to. Um, but no, I don't know. I couldn't even, I can't even give you well, feedback. He'll do with that. He does three hour interviews. Yeah. So, uh, but they're, uh, it's always a complete interview, but a lot of times the first 40 minutes or whatever, you're just going at it and at it and at it. And then it, finally over time, it's like they get worn down or stoned or drunk, but then they start to get into a rhythm later on. And he, he uses that luxury of time. Plus he's a comedian to um, kind of break those barriers down. Right. And it gets deep later. And I didn't know if you might do something like that where you just kind of warm up a little bit and yeah, you record it, but you just say, eh, I'll start it here. So I don't consciously do that at all, but I definitely think that as time goes on, usually it gets better. And it's, I'm not intentionally trying to loosen them up, but it is hard too, because I find my guests to be so interesting almost all the time. Like I really genuinely do. So that when I'm going sure. back and editing, I'm like, there's nothing that I want to cut. Even at the beginning, I'm like, yeah, this isn't as good as the end stuff maybe, but to me, this is interesting too. So it's hard for me to actually cut these things. So I sure. wish that if that's what I was planning to do, then I would definitely like cut the whole beginning or whatever, because I think most interviews do get better as time goes on. 
it within the interview. Um, but it's not something I set out to do. I just, you know, I just do what I do. And I, I really don't, don't think that hard, believe it or not, about my strategy, my interviewing strategy. I think you do. I, you know, I get it. That's, you know, that's, you're great at it. And your interviews are spectacular. I'm going to, I have to oh tell you, I'm going to stop you. Hold on. Don't say anything yet. Because I've been listening to your show. <laughs> I've been listening to your show. And you are an excellent interviewer. I, I, this is not the case for many interviewers that I hear. You're smart, obviously. You're well-researched. You think of some really spot on questions and you're not also, you're not afraid to duck questions that they might not like answering, right? So you're not just flattering them. You're not like fanboying out on them, um, on your guests, but at the same time, you're showing them in a good light. So you bring out these positive qualities. And one of the things I noticed most, which is very rare, I think, is when you ask a guest a question, they give you an answer. You don't just, if they stop somewhere, you you ask just the right follow-up question. It's like, I'm thinking to myself, this is exactly what I wanted to know after this person said this. So I don't know if you, if you get what I'm saying, but your follow-up questions are spot on. Keep that up. Okay, so let me get, let me get the timestamp for that real quick because I have, to, <laughs> I have to pull this out for all my promos coming up. Total um, honesty here. Total. And I've li like I said, I've been listening to different shows too. And I, I do observe different interviewers like you, uh, but you stand out to me for sure. Well, thank you. And on that note, do you prepare questions? I do prepare questions. I do my research. So I do my research, but only up to a certain degree. Like I don't want to get to the point where I know everything about the person. Um, I really, because what I'm striving for also is not necessarily great answers or like deep insights. I am looking for the essential person within that guest to come okay. through. So it's different, right? I'm not seeking out anything specific other than any kind of content that's specific. You know what I mean? When I say content, I don't mean podcast content, but I mean like sure. anything that I want to know, like what was it like to be, to film The Godfather, let's say. I'm mm -hmm. not really even looking for that. I just want to get to know that person. So the way I do it is just by connecting with them. So I do, I do have my questions. Don't get me wrong. Uh, it's a date, isn't it? It's a like date. a date. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I guess it could be like a date. I guess and when it it's going like really that. well, it's especially like a first date because it's like everything's just so amazing and it's clicking so perfectly and it, you're almost finishing each other's sentences, but you're building a relationship. Um, yeah. I, Ira Glass, one of the people I'd mentioned before had stated, I kind of fall in love with them every time. Yeah, I've heard you say that before too. And I don't listen to Ira Glass. I've heard his show, you know, a few times, but uh, it's, I don't listen to This American Life. Um, and I know he's like a god in, in uh, radio. No, he's, he's good. I mean, podcasting. Um, but yeah, that's a great quote. And I do think, but I've heard you say it more. And I think that's excellent. And I think I definitely fit into that. I really do like the people I interview. Um, it is very rare for somebody to get up from an interview with me and for me to be like, oh, I really just did not, I was not feeling that person. I mean, very, very rare. And that's even before the podcast, even when I was interviewing people for print media, I like, I like the majority of people who I interview. I just do. It's genuine. Well, it's, it's helpful. One <laughs> thing I, I think helps, helps you out and the interview and me as an audience member is you have a sense of delight. You are definitely exuberant. When they some, say something and you're you're surprised, you show delight. 
Okay. Yeah. No problem with that. And, and then that kind of makes me feel a little bit up. It's like, oh yeah, oh that that is so funny. While it might be chuckle worthy, you're actually you're pumping it a little bit more. Oh, that's so interesting. I love this feedback. I I, I really don't know what it's like to listen to me. So that's so interesting that you say that. Thank you. Well, have you heard of um leading and following and um that's in the influence world, but I'm sure it's tied to psychology as well. Yeah. Where you know the pacing and the leading, and you speak up, and then they start to follow, and you match their pace, and then push, and then pull. That you're I know, doing you mean, that. like mirroring, mirroring. Sure. Yeah, and and you, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm but, doing that. Yeah, but that you're also leading too. So it's like you mirror and get in the rhythm, and then you start to lead, and then they start going down the path. I, I, I watch you do it. It's, um, I think it might be actually instinctive because of all your training. Right. It is definitely not something I'm aware of at all. Like this is what you're saying to me right now. This is a big insight for me. I have no idea that I'm doing that. Go, go listen to it. Okay. And you can especially, um, especially see it with Tim Gunn. He did a great job on that. Curtis Armstrong was much more into himself. Joe Montagna was flat in terms of he, he was in his mold. And yep. that's why I said it was, um, old school or not. Ed Asner didn't know if he was going to go old school or not. You kind of, pulled him out a little bit, I think by being cute young female and, and you worked out a, a little bit and he started, oh yeah, and, and I could, I could hear that melting. I didn't get um, all the way through that one yet completely, but it is, it is fun to watch your methodology. And I like that you treat everyone as an individual. And that's why I asked if you prepped questions because you obviously do some degree of preparation. Um, how, how much time do you actually prep? Yeah. So how much time? Um, I would guess maybe a couple of hours, uh, maybe an hour kind of Googling, digging around a little bit. Generally, I know a little bit about the person, something about them, at least about their work. So, mm -hmm. but if I have not really seen their latest thing or something that is really fundamental to their career, meaning a mm -hmm. film or a TV series, then I will go and watch at least some of it. And it depends on how much I can take that particular series or film. <laughs> They're all watched it all. the rough part. Right. Or I'll watch a little at least so that I at least am familiar with it. And but read like, the book. And yeah. Yeah, I do. I cannot. I mean. Not that I can't read the book. I have read the book. So I read, you know, I had I interviewed Eric Braden, who is a huge soap star. Now in in my circles, I, you know, I don't watch soap, so I wasn't familiar with him. Mm -hmm. But um when his publicist asked me if I would interview him on the show, I was like, Oh, let me see. And I could see that, oh yeah, he is like super famous. Just I just didn't know him. So I had to do my research on him. So I recorded a little bit of his show, The Young and the Restless. Um, and but I I admit it, I would fast through fast forward through all the scenes that didn't involve him, just so I could get a feel for his character sure, in the show. Sure. And then he had written a book and I read it. He was one of my LA interviews last year or last summer. No, actually last winter, this past winter. And I read most of the book on the plane on the way out. So sometimes I will read or at least most of the book. Um, but I can't, okay. I don't always read the whole book, especially it depends on the scheduling when I actually schedule the interview. Right. Well, I'm terrible. I have gotten to where I can't even read books. It's always audible. I'm always going to listen to them in interviews or listen to the book in audible. <laughs> that's about, so, that's kind of where I am. I, I just don't have the time, you know, I'll, I'll go running and listening or, or whatever. I get you, but you're not going to believe this. Like I cannot listen to an audiobook. Can't do it. Hate yeah. it. Can't do it. 
but I'm a podcaster. I love, and I'm a podcast listener. I love listening to podcasts. So I love listening to people talk, but there is something about an audiobook that drives me bananas and not in a good way. So like sometimes I'll be in the car and my husband will turn on an audiobook and it'll be like nails on a chalkboard. I'm like, get hmm. this off. I can't listen to it. So I'm not sure what it is. Um, I was talking to somebody about it recently. And I think that what I was sort of thinking in my head was it may have something to do with the fact that it just feels inauthentic or something. Like I'm, I just want to yeah. hear people talking. I don't really like scripted things. I also am not a big podcast listener of scripted podcasts. Like don't love them. I just want to like eavesdrop on people. I can relate to that in a weird way. I enjoy some comedians podcasts and I love hearing them on the podcasts. But then when I watch the routine, I don't care for the routine. Oh, interesting. Yep. Yep. That's the, the routine same thing. is too polished. Mm -hmm. It's almost like when they're talking and they're riffing with their buddies. They're hilarious to me and I'm just falling out laughing and they tease each other and it's sloppy and some of it works. Some of it doesn't I actually appreciate some of it that doesn't. Yes. But what, but their routine, which they've, you know, done a hundred times I watch it. I'm like, yeah, okay. And I, I smile a little. So I'm kind of wondering if maybe that's, I think that's exactly it. I think we were talking about the same thing. And I can tell you also that when I'm interviewing somebody and I start to hear this thing that I can tell has been told or has been said by this person before, and usually it has to do with promoting a project, I can tell it does not, it is not coming just at, off the top of their head. This is something that has been rehearsed. I mm -hmm. hate it. So if I'm interviewing somebody, I sense that like immediately and I try to redirect. And probably like my listeners are like, wait, I wanted to hear that story or whatever. But to me, it feels like, no, I just want this person to be talking to me for real. So oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. So I, like, I love about the show. I, I don't want to hear that same old story. Don't give me that same old story. Or when they start saying something like, well, you can see in my book, you know, as I wrote in my book, da, 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 which, you know, I understand you want to promote your book, which is fine, but this is not the authentic way. I think like, let our listeners hear you really fall for you in a way, become a fan. And then believe me, they're going to want to read your book. You're going to sell the book. Uh, but I don't, you're mm -hmm. not here just to like, this isn't, I don't know, uh, a morning show or something where you're just here to explain what your latest book is about. Yeah. I'm not in love with talking points either. And definitely, definitely try to move beyond them. I had a particular experience that I'll share with you sometime offline. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, I will hold you to that. Okay. But on that note, what do we have coming up next? Well, um, we have right now, I can't tell you what's coming up exactly next. Um, but I can tell you that I am again, my trip to LA is going to bring a new batch that uh, will run me for a nice little time. But I have, we'll see, we'll see. I can't give away the names just yet. I'll share that with you offline. <laughs> How about that? Sounds good. And um, where can people follow you on social so they can catch up? So on Twitter, I am at Kara one to one. So it's K A R A, the number one, T O, the number one. I know it's awful, but you know, I did it a long time ago. I probably should have a different name. It is what it is. Right. And then on Instagram, which I really like, it's fun. I'm at Really Famous Podcast. And on cool. Facebook, I am Really Famous Podcast, or you could just go to facebook.com slash Kara Mayer Robinson, if that's awesome. confusing. And most importantly, seriously, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart to everyone, check out her show. Thank Never mind you, the social. 
go to iTunes. Go to iTunes. If you can, use the Apple Podcast app because that'll help her chart more. Hey, can I ask you a question before you tell everybody what to, where to find me? Where do most people listen to your show? Is it on Apple Podcasts? Um, Overcast. Overcast. Then Apple Podcasts. So but if everybody wants to listen to Apple Podcasts, it'll help me out. Right. So go to Apple Podcasts. <laughs> if you have an iPhone, it's super easy. It's that little purple app, right? But everybody, I mean, I think that, that most people who are listening to sure. podcasts are pretty podcast savvy. It's the people who are not listening to this who uh, don't really know how to get a podcast that we want to help. But we're not going to do it on the podcast. But you, but you can always go to social media and she'll have links to the show. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm at reallyfamouspodcast.com. So there's a link to everything there. Fantastic. Hey, thanks so much for coming. Eric, on. you're an excellent interviewer. It has been an honor. Thank you so much. Mr. Hayes's office, how may I help you? Andrea, it's Marilyn over at Kennedy Parker Construction. Hello, Marilyn. Would you like me to connect Mr. Parker to Mr. Hayes? A fish surrounded by sharks. A secretary cursed by desire and ambition. Introducing The Diarist by Donna Barrow Green. The Diarist, an addictive psychological thriller, satirical, suspenseful, and full of twists. Available on iTunes or anywhere you get your podcasts. Yes. I'm sorry if I've hurt your feelings. Or if something I've said has led you to believe I think you're incompetent. It's just been so long since you've given me any encouragements or compliments on my... Andrea. I do notice you. I like that blouse on you very much. You look very pretty just as you are right now. Oh, well, I... It's very pretty on you. Thank you. What sort of fabric is it? It's silk. It's lovely. You have excellent taste in clothes. I notice. Would you mind removing your cardigan? My sweater? Yes, so I can see the blouse in its entirety. Why? I like it very much. You see, I do notice you. You know that, don't you? I don't have to tell you I notice these things. You know when I like something, don't you? I don't know. I repeated his words in my mind. I notice you. That was it, wasn't it? I wanted someone to notice me. Not Andrea the daughter, the wife, the secretary. Not even Andrea the artist or ad girl. I wanted someone, anyone, to see me. More than anything, it was Richard. Please don't think unkind of me, dear reader. Hi, I'm Tyson Franklin, the host of It's No Secret with Dr. T, which is a small business and marketing podcast. Each week, I interview business leaders who openly share the secrets to the massive success. It's No Secret with Dr. T will educate, entertain, and inspire you. Check it out. You'll find it wherever you listen to podcasts, or you can go to my website, TysonFranklin.com.